Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. And Kristen, Emmy nominations were just announced. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite shows, Big Love, got nominated for Best Drama. Are you a fan of the show? I am a fan of the show. So for those of you who've never watched it, it's about a Utah businessman played by Bill Paxton who has three wives, a polygamous relationship. Yes. And all the wives sort of have varying degrees of acceptance or tolerance for the situation. Some of them at points are just very happy to have this big family. Mm-hmm. And other times the wife would just like Bill Paxton to herself. Right. And of course, um, with Big Love, we've got uh, a portrayal as well of Mormonism, because in the United States, when we think of polygamy, we think of Mormons. Right. And it was actually sort of a big deal when that show started. The You know, they had all this interface with the Mormon church because they were worried about how polygamy was going to be depicted in relation to the Mormon church. Which does not officially condone polygamy. It's the outlawed. Mormon church today, yeah. Uh, in fact, as it's legal in all states, for Utah to become a state, the official church had to say, you know, we're not going to go with polygamy. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was never really in church doctrine, but the church's founder, Joseph Smith, said he received a revelation that men should have multiple wives and that this was the entry point to heaven. Mm-hmm. And when the Mormon church outlawed the practice, then some sort of splinter fundamentalist groups went off and decided that they would live according to Smith's original principle of plural marriage. Right. And one of the most uh, well-known examples of that now, because of uh, what happened last year, was the is the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the FLDS. And that was the church in Texas that was the compound that was raided. Mm-hmm. And um, I think one of their leaders was also Warren Jeffs who was a former church leader who has been prosecuted and found guilty um, on two charges of rape by accomplice because they were, uh, this is all based on um, the, the issue of having these child brides. Right. So on the news, we've got child brides, abuse, these very weird, they kind of make us uncomfortable, fundamentalist sex depiction of, of polygamy. A lot of secrecy involved. Yeah. And then on the other hand, we've got big love where it looks somewhat normal. You know, all these wives have their own houses. They have all these kids. They have help. So today, Chris and I want to examine the female's role in polygamy. Can it ever be good for women? Yeah, because even though uh, in the U.S. we might think of polygamy as being something like a social taboo, it, it really isn't if, if you look at cultures all around the globe. Monogamy is, is more in the minority mm-hmm. than polygamy is, um, especially in Africa, the Middle East, Asia. And this a lot of this stems from um, the Islamic faith, because the Quran actually says that you can have up to four wives as long as you treat all of them uh, equally. And so uh, there was one statistic that I saw that, uh, 20 to anywhere from 20 to 50% of marriages in, in Africa are actually polygamous. Mm-hmm. And before we go any further, Kristen, let's clarify our terms. Polygamy means having more than one spouse mm-hmm. and it can refer either to polygyny in which a male has more than one wife, just like big love, big love, or it could refer to polyandry in which a woman has more than one husband. Which is not that common, which is why polygamy is just sort of used as the umbrella term for polygyny. Even though today we're strictly going to talk about polygyny, we're going to say polygamy. Right. And when we think of polygamy, of one man having 
all these wives to choose from. Like if you're watching Big Love, I mean, one of, one of the most interesting aspects of it to me is, is how he kind of, where, where Bill Paxton chooses to sleep every night. Yeah, they have this schedule and, you know, some nights are the first wives nights, some nights there's the second nights and so on. And if variety is the spice of life, then he, We'll probably never get bored. Right. So just based purely on, on sex, you would think that polygamy would benefit the man because he would have more variety. And they do say that, you know, it, it basically one possible benefit might be that you would never really have an affair because any sort of sexual relationship has to be treated with this kind of spiritual viewpoint. That this is something you're going to take care of. So instead of going outside of the marriage, the man would just be in sort of a big marriage in which she could seek comfort if a woman was pregnant, if she's breastfeeding, if she couldn't have sex. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you have, uh, just the status of having more than one wife. I mean, it's not, it's, it's polygamists are sort of an elite group because not every man can, can just up and take care of four, five wives and all of those children. It has to be someone who, um, has enough resources to allocate to everyone. Right. So it's a show of your wealth that you've got, you know, three houses, three wives, all these children. Mm-hmm. And then, um, there was a study um, that I was looking at in the Journal of Family Process talking about how uh, among um, Arab Bedouins who are polygamous, it's uh, having more children is a chance. It means that you are probably going to have more sons so you can carry on the family name. And it's also just a sign of prestige among their communities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, interestingly, in New Scientist, there was a study that it's possible that polygamy could actually lead men to live longer. Yeah, there was um, a report put out by an ecologist at the University of Sheffield um, that found, and this is after accounting for socioeconomic differences, she found that uh, men who are practicing polygamy lived on average 12% longer than men in monogamous relationships. And the thinking was because they had all these extra children, they had to stay in better shape to take care of all of them. Mm-hmm. And if one wife died, they had another one to take care of them. Yeah. And sometimes you read stories about uh, polygamy where the wife is the one who says, you know, I might be sick. Let's get a second wife in there. That actually happened in Big Love when the first wife got sick. So while we have all these reasons why it, it might potentially benefit men, there are obvious there are also reasons why it could potentially harm women. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times men will marry legally marry one wife, the first wife, and then the other wives will be you know, spiritually wed mm-hmm. to them or something like that. Just some, a religious ceremony. Yeah, exactly. Some just informal union. But that can be very problematic, especially with issues of immigration. There was a two-part series on NPR about um, Muslim immigrants in the Philadelphia area who were practicing polygamy and, and the fears that these additional wives had because um, if anything ever happened, uh, they're not legally married to their husband who might have a green card. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they're just totally vulnerable to, to something happening. Right. They have no legal recourse. And that's, I mean, that's the legal part of it, but it's obviously easy to identify with the emotional part of it. You know, you're, you're married, you love your husband, and, you know, let's say one day you have a fight, the next day he comes home with another wife. Mm-hmm. Freaky. Right. Well, and that was an interesting point brought up in the study on um, the Bedouin Arabs was a lot of times the first wife would have been an arranged marriage between mm-hmm. the family's parents. And so that me- meant that the next wife might, uh, the husband might dote on the next wife a little bit more because he probably, he sought her out for mm-hmm. the first time as opposed to, to the first wife. Yeah. And so even though 
although the Quran says you must treat all these wives equally in terms of finances, it also means emotionally. It just seems like that's an impossible standard to hold and that someone's going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. But, Molly, the question of the day is whether or not polygamy can benefit women. Yeah. Right now, it's stacking up for the men. It's all it's all good for the men. It's not for the men. It, it looks bad for women because, you know, we look at these cultures where polygamy is allowed, let's say in the Middle East. They're just not cultures where women have a lot of rights. Right. In the United States, when we see it on the news, we're seeing child brides. We're seeing a lot of abuse. It just doesn't seem like a very good environment for women. But then yet when you watch Big Love, they talk about sometimes the sense of community they have. They've got a sister wife. They've got a friend. They have, let's they have face a babysitter. it, built-in daycare. Yeah. But Molly, the fascinating thing about all of this is if you boil it down just to theory, mm-hmm. okay, based on supply and demand, the tables start to turn. Yeah, this was really interesting. We started looking at the economics of polygamy. Yeah. Because the thing about it is, if just in a theoretical polygamous society, you could choose to be polygamous or uh, monogamous. Mm -hmm. Now, only the top tier men, okay, the the Bill Paxtons among us, who are few and far between, are going to have the resource allocation and the emotional wherewithal to manage... Uh, multiple wives and dozens of children. Right. So they're going to be, let's say, you know, the, the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. All right. So in a polygamous society, if you have um, more women flocking to this one man, that's going to leave an excess of men. The mm-hmm. ratio of men, unmarried men to women is going to to shift. Right. And so they're saying that women who choose not to be in a polygamous relationship Benefit, like let's say, okay, let's say Robert Pattinson from Twilight. Mm -hmm. He does nothing for me. Does something for me. So let's say that you are willing to be like his third or fourth wife. I'd I'd take that. Yeah, exactly. Like you would be willing to have like just part ownership of something that you really love. Mm -hmm. Whereas since I don't really like that guy, but all these women do, it frees up all the like other celebrities for me. Yeah, let me, to, to put it into more concrete terms, there was an article in New York Times by economist Robert H. Frank, and he put it this way. So 10% of adult men, okay, the, the Robert Pattinson's among us, would take an average of three wives apiece, and all remaining marriages would be monogamous, mm-hmm. because the other men would not be able to, you know, don't have the <laughs> appeal, the sparkly appeal. Yes. Um, and so among the aspiring monogamous, there would be nine men for every seven women. So here's where the seven women can afford to be really choosy. Like you're not going to settle for like a schlub. You're going to want a guy who, you know, if Robert Pattinson represents top tier, you're going to want second tier. Mm-hmm. You're going to want a guy who brings you flowers, who promises to do the dishes always. Like you can start settling, uh, setting your terms one uh, economist says maybe females would stop paying for weddings. That a guy would be so desperate to hook a girl that the male's family will start to pay for weddings. Right. And they kind of framed it in this idea of survival of the fittest. Um, they would think that, you know, slobs would not be able to just, you know, kick back on the couch all day. They need to start taking care of themselves more mm-hmm. to, you know, win this like smaller minority of leftover, <laughs> of leftover women. Um, but they were saying that the exception would be, um, for highly desirable women. Because yeah. if you're a highly desirable woman, you might have then have the social power to have a monogamous relationship with also a desirable man. You'd have your pick of the litter. Right. And, you know, so how this all ends up is ultimately men do lose in polygamous societies, the men who can't 
either afford or win a woman. And I think that it, we also have to say that this whole theoretical argument is based on the notion that, you know, women and men would want to be in long-term relationships together and reproduce together. I mean, it's a very kind of narrow view of it, but it's interesting to think of it that way. But there are cultures where that idea of mating and reproducing can actually help you move up. In mm-hmm. in these African and Middle Eastern countries, marrying the guy who, even if you're the third wife, who has all the resources is a good economic move up. Right. As, uh, as John Tierney with New York Times put it, polygamy isn't the cause of women's low status in traditional societies, but rather a consequence of, like you said, they're trying to lose up because the biggest losers aren't these women, it's those men who really can't get their acts together Mm -hmm. and uh, get get a lady. But so then in Western culture, let's say that you are a woman who has the means. Mm -hmm. The thinking might be that once, you know, you have your own job and you have your own money, you'd want someone just to focus on you. Yeah. But this brings us to the case of Elizabeth Joseph, who's a lawyer and also a polygamist. Yeah, I think that she is one of, I think at least at one point, nine Mm -hmm. wives and... uh, she was interviewed at one point for uh, on This American Life, um, and she was talking about her experience with polygamy. And she is very pro-polygamy. She thought that, you know, she just thinks it's a wonderful arrangement. It's not for everyone. She she did, you know, she kind of reiterated the fact that it does take a very special man to be able to have nine wives and that large of a family. But she actually said that it is, in her opinion, the ultimate like feminist community because you have like you were talking about earlier, this idea of all these sister wives, you have all of the support. Um, if, if someone needs to go to work, you've got, you know, eight other people who can help out around the house while you're gone. There's a lot of give and take. It's out, you know, she made it, she made a pretty convincing case for it. Yeah. She's in one of her speeches. She said that if polygamy didn't exist, the modern American career woman would have invented it because when else can you, um, and these are my words now, not hers. When else could you go off to work and have all the success you want to and yet still have a kid who's not just in daycare, but with someone you know and trust? Mm-hmm. And then when you weren't tired, you, you know, you had a man around. Right. But, but I will say, though, there was one there was one part of the interview that really stuck out in my mind. It was when Ira Glass was asking her about um, how often she slept with her husband, because, um, you know, if he's circulating among among nine different women, it seems like it would be kind of few and far between. And um, in answering that, she mentioned that um, he doesn't come to their bedrooms, as you see in Big Love. He has his own separate quarters, mm-hmm. and they go and sleep in his bed. And I just thought that that was kind of... Um, A little creepy? I don't want to say creepy, <laughs> um, But I think that kind of leaves you with sort of hangups about whether or not that really can, that kind of arrangement really is benefiting a woman at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't think it's ever going to be an easy relationship, Kristen, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I do remember when Big Love came out, they had some women in plural marriages watch it. And they said sort of the comfort and support you get from your religious beliefs about polygamy never really entered into that equation. So it's possible that if you had kind of that belief that, uh, we're all going to get to heaven together. It'd be a little bit easier to put up with, but I personally just can't imagine not having intense jealousy over the whole situation. Yeah, there was no, there was no source that we found out there that, that advocated polygamy as an easy option. Right. For, for men or for women. But I do think that several of the sources did indicate that if it was a little more acceptable, 
then maybe there wouldn't be these kind of seedy undercurrents that we see in the news because people are forced to kind of go underground in these cult-like uh situations that that's when the more nefarious elements get in there. Mm -hmm. But I think it is always fun to play around with theory, supply and demand, the economics of mating. The economics are pretty convincing, especially a psychology today blogger pointed out that we are all basically somewhat polygamist in the fact that we are in a culture where we serially marry and divorce, Mm -hmm. marriage, divorce, marriage, divorce. Whereas how is that any different than just doing it all at the same time? Well, Molly, I think that that is as good a time as any for us to read some listener mail that is also about women. Okay. Um, this was part of our uh, reading list request. Um, Monique wrote in and she says that she likes to do summer, big summer reading projects. And this summer she's reading about pioneer women. She sounds pretty awesome. Um, she said, I've already read Letters of a Woman Homesteader by Eleanor Pruitt Stewart and Pioneer Women, Voices from the Kansas Frontier by Joanna L. Stratton. And next up, she's reading Hearts West, True Stories of Mail Order Brides on the Frontier by Chris Entz. And wow. that sounds like a lot of fun. She said this is her favorite big reading project, yes, that even yet that even tops last summer's Paleoanthropology Bender. Wow. And in case, in case we think that she's no fun, she does have a sub project for the summer, which is the Scott Pilgrim series, which is a, um, a series of animated comics. Are all comics animated? Yes. I just thought I would be very clear about that. <laughs> so thanks, Monique, for writing in. And of course, we love to hear about what you are reading as well. So you can send us that along with any questions or comments that you have, um, at mom stuff at HowStuffWorks.com. And if you want to know what Molly and I are up to during the week, you should head over to our blog, How To Stuff. You can find our blog and also an article on how polygamy works um, at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?